Again, uh, church. Want to start off by by saying this that um, you know today is certainly a blessed day. Um, it's a a day that wasn't promised to us, but was given to us as a gift from God. Um, this life that we have, the breath that we're taking, we didn't earn it. Um, there's nothing we could have done. I. I understand, you know, there's, maybe I could have exercised and, and eaten better, um, you know, you know, I, I could have lived a less reckless life and maybe have added on a few days, uh, a few years to my life, um, but we all know that that's, that's not the case, that life is, is given to us from above. Um, there's nothing you can do. Um, to, as the scripture says, to add more hours to your day, um, other than the hours that God affords you, uh, to be added to your day. Um, we also know that, uh, none of us can add an inch to our height. Um, that's a, a frail thought or a failing thought to, to think that even some of the basic things that we take for granted about who we are and in our existence um, are so far out of our control. Um, and that's really the hallmark of being a Christian. Um, being aware of God, having a knowledge of God, such that you know that everything that you have, even down to the, the base foundation, again, of our existence, is given to us as a gift from God. Um, with that said, <clears throat> I... I you know, there are certain um, religious, um, and I say, I use the word religious loosely, and maybe I shouldn't use that word at all. Um, there are denominations on the planet um, that every Lord's Day, it's a party. Um, everyone is highly enthusiastic. Um, you know, there's there's yelling and, and dancing and, and swaying and, and our movements. And all of those things, and I and I say that um, from a positive standpoint, that uh, you know they are, well, maybe um, I don't want to say maybe, but they are certainly um, not doing that based on a proper understanding of the scripture. Otherwise, they'd be members of the Church of Christ. Otherwise, they'd be worshiping um, after the example provided in the New Testament scripture. Um, but I say that to say this, that their enthusiasm is palpable. Um, and again, maybe their enthusiasm is rooted in um, something physical. You know, they've got a good backbeat. There's, there's organs and, and drums and, and guitars. Um, you know, there is a, uh, an artificial enthusiasm of the flesh. Um, but again, they have enthusiasm nonetheless. And I'd like to talk about that this morning, um, just briefly before we get into the lesson, about our enthusiasm for this day and this time and this service uh, that we are going through. Um, we know that everything that we have is a gift from God. And you've been granted a gift through His grace to live, to wake up, to sit upright right now, um, to be on this prayer line, uh, to be able to sing with your sing with your mouth, um, and there are others, certainly those uh, who we know of, 
intimately who do not have the ability uh, to fully take part in all the gifts that you're able to do. Um, you know, namely, Brother Porter. Um, he's in a hospital room, albeit he's blessed certainly by God to be receiving good treatment, um, but he's not at home, comfortable in his house, um, sitting upright like you are. And we do not want to base our enthusiasms on the plight of others, but I say that just to you as a point of reference, that you are abundantly blessed this morning. And you should be happy, you should be joyful, um, there should be an indwelling joy in your spirit um, with the fact that you are who you are and you know what you know. Getting into the lesson this morning, I want to talk about what Satan does to us to impact that enthusiasm, that, that joy, and that confidence. Um, and we've talked about it before. It's a, it's a word that um, I wrangle with every day, and I'm sure maybe to some extent all of us do, uh, which is a word called doubt. Doubt is a questioning of what is real, a questioning of what is true, a questioning of what is law. Um, one thing that we don't doubt is gravity. We all deal with gravity each and every day. We, we slide out of our beds and immediately make a, a daily um, meeting with the ground. Um, every step we take is because of gravity. Every jump that we take is because of gravity. Um, when we are on, when we are in an airplane, for those of you who are apprehensive about flying in an airplane, the reason why you're apprehensive is because of your, your trust and your unwavering belief in the laws of gravity. You know that on this planet, what goes up must come down. Um, and so when we think about gravity, we don't doubt it at all. Um, we leave our homes knowing gravity is there. Um, everything that we do subconsciously is, is we just do it with a utmost reliance and respect on gravity. And I got to thinking about our faith in, in God and our faith in Jesus Christ and, and how we can remove all doubt from our minds such that we have as much trust, faith, and hope um, in gravity, um, or sorry, in God as we do in gravity. When you leave your home, God is just there. We know He's there. Um, when you're at work, we know that God is there. Um, in those, those moments when we are alone and we have, um, you know, temptation, or those moments where we find ourselves <clears throat> maybe lacking in funds, um, those moments where we are afraid for our lives, that, again, we don't have fear because we have no doubt that God exists. When you jump off something, you have no doubt that gravity will pull you to the ground. And so you don't necessarily fear floating off into space. You, you fear the impact of coming in contact with the ground. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, I'd like to read from uh, Hebrews, the, um, Hebrews, the second chapter. 
in uh, Hebrews, the uh, second chapter, start reading from um, verse number 11. It reads, for he, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And that's a powerful statement. And, and I'll read it again just for, for emphasis. You know, if you, you just flipped over to that verse again, that's Hebrews, the second chapter and verse number 11. Um, the Hebrew writer says, Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all, are all of one. There's one other doubt that, that um, we don't... There's one thing that we, that we don't doubt is we don't doubt that we are in reality. Okay, you may you may think this is a simulation. Um, if you think it's a simulation, I would I would tell you, um, pinch yourself. If you feel pain um, as a result of your independent action, then that is proof positive that this is real, that you are real. You have made a a conscious decision to take your own hand. And put it to your own flesh and squeeze that flesh as hard as you possibly can to cause a pain response. That's real. And what, it, what the Hebrew writer is telling us here in the, in the 11th verse is that we are all one with God. That God is the one who sanctifies. Um, and, we, and you can, as we go through or if you want to put down Hebrews chapter 2 as a, as a reference um, for, for further study and discussion for yourself, you can see that throughout Hebrews, the second chapter, that it is God who allowed His Son Jesus to come to this earth. Um, it is through God's grace, rather, that uh, God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross so that each of us may be spared a second death. But what he again says that those who are sanctified by God, those who are sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ, are made one with God. And this speaks to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting in verse number four, that there is one God who is in all and through us all. The Hebrew writer reinforces that again by saying, if you have been sanctified um, by the sanctifier, that you are one with God. It goes on to say, For that reason he is not ashamed to call them, or us, brethren. In verse number 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him, and behold, I and the children which God hath given me. We are all one with God. We're all one with Jesus Christ. We are one with the Holy Ghost, the, the Holy Trinity. Those, those three that are, are one and agree in one that are up in heaven. It goes on to say in verse number 14, For, then as, for, as, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, 
he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So there's a couple things that we should not doubt. Uh, the first one is that God exists and he is real. And the second is that the devil exists and he is real. If we are, um, as it says here in verse number 14, um, both children of the flesh and of blood and also children of God, um, there are two parts of us. We have both essences of good and evil existing in the reality of our bodies. Now you, you may say, well, Thomas, that's a, that's a thick statement. And it is. Um, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, um, where he talks about the struggle of the two natures of men. You know, as, as he says, the things that I would do, I do not because of the flesh. And he says, O wretched man that I am. You know, each and every one of us has to struggle with the part of us that is of God and the part of us that is of the devil. We know that uh, the part of us that is, that is of God is more powerful. Again, in, in Romans, the sixth chapter, it tells us that we, are, that we are able to overcome the part of us that is the devil if we walk after the part of us that is of God, which is the Spirit. Both of those things are as real as gravity. I was thinking about the other day about my daughter being a um, going into criminology, and there are I, I don't I don't necessarily see my sweet daughter as a criminologist, um, or at least I'm weary about it because um, to you know for her to to see um, proof. Of the evil that exists in our flesh, you know, the, the, the crimes against, the crimes that we commit, the atrocities rather that we commit against one another. Um, I don't want that to, uh, uh, to, uh, to haunt her brain. I don't want those memories, those images uh, to be a part of her thought process. And Almost immediately afterwards, uh, the thought came into mind is that, well, what is evil and what is sin? You know, saying just a simple white lie is evil. Saying a simple white lie, uh, you know, in, and I say white lie using uh, the terms of, uh, of the world and certainly not spirit, uh, scriptural terms, but... You know what the world says about a white lie is a, is a white lie is, you know, a half-truth, a mistruth. It's not harmful. You know, you know, if your wife says, how do I look in this dress, even though she may not look flattering, you say, ah, you look good. Don't worry about it. That's a white lie. No harm, no foul. Um, if anything, you're, you maybe think that you're doing um, a, a righteous thing uh, by telling that white lie. But we, all, but we all know, the scripture is very plain, that all liars, as it states in the book of Revelations, the 20th chapter, that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire and brimstone. All of them. Even the ones that, that say things uh, with good intentions. Um, <clears throat> we also know 
that uh, all sinners, whether you are a, um, you know, whether you are committing the most vile and, and gravest of atrocities um, against your fellow human being, um, you will have the same um, hot lake of fire and brimstone, the same damnation as one who tells a simple white lie. So I got to thinking about that and, and about the evil that exists inside of each and every one of us. And as the Hebrew writer puts here in the 14th verse, that, um, that Jesus went to, he became flesh and blood um, so that he might overcome and destroy the power of death uh, that is the devil. You know, Romans, the, um, I believe it's Romans 3.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And that's the power that Satan has um, over us through the flesh. For he knows that if we commit sin, that he will be, um, well, it's not going to change his fate one iota. Um, but it certainly will change ours and that we will join him and his minions in that lake of fire and brimstone. And he's trying to take as many of us as he possibly can as an act of retribution and vengeance against what he thinks is, uh, um, what, against what he feels um, is, his, is his purpose in life, which is to be contrary to, to all things righteous. It says in verse number 15 of Hebrews, the second chapter, that by doing so, it says, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, all of us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is also, he is, he is able to secure or to comfort or provide aid to them that are tempted. Now, if you remember the scripture reading um, that we mentioned this morning, um, back there in John, the uh, 13th, uh, chapter about Jesus telling his disciples about one of them who would eventually betray him. And uh, each number one of them doubted, as it says in verse number 22. And I got to thinking about, again, this, this word doubt. As I referenced before, begin this lesson about what doubt is. Doubt is a, a questioning of the real. Doubt is a questioning of the law. Doubt is a, is a questioning of, uh, of, of, of anything, but certainly a questioning uh, of the way things uh, ought to be or should be and, and are. And, and, I, and I apologize if I'm a little confusing with that statement, but again, think of the law of gravity. You don't doubt the law of gravity because you have proof of it each and every day. And so I think about my, my faith in gravity and my lack of doubting in gravity. 
In this particular statement, Jesus says that there will be one of you that will betray me. And immediately it says that each and every one of them looked around the room doubting of whom he spake. Even more so, the, the question that Simon Peter posed uh, to John, who was resting his, his head upon the bosom of, of, of Jesus, was, uh, of, of, of who should it be of whom he spake? Now, why would Simon Peter ask that question? Um, internally, we know the reason why he asked that question. Um, as you will, as we will read uh, further on in the thirty-sixth verse of John, the thirteenth chapter, it says, "Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou?" Jesus answered him, "Whether I go, thou cannot, canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards." Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall, crow, shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. And in, in, in other accounts of this, we, we know that uh, Simon Peter in another account said, Far be it from thee, um, you know, I will never um, deny you. And, and Christ said, Get behind me, Satan. Um, and he goes, and I and I I, I scoff. I don't want to say scoff because that's not the right word. I I I chuckle at uh, the hubris of Peter um, and the fact that Jesus, being the man that he was, the only the only begotten Son of God, could see through that hubris and see that doubt even in Simon Peter. And see that uh, there was a wavering of faith. So the disciples doubted whom Jesus was talking about. Is it me? Is it you? Well, if they were all, you know, if they all trusted in gravity or trusted in God or trusted in Jesus as they trusted in gravity, there would not be any doubt in this particular statement. They'd say, Jesus, it can't be. It's impossible for it to be one of us. Because we hope, because our hope and faith and trust and, and confidence in you is so rock solid, dear God, that we believe in you as we believe in the power of the earth's core to bring all of us back to the ground once we leave it. In this particular example, Jesus says that the one who will betray me will be the one that I give the sop to. And it says that uh, Jesus dipped the sop and he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, in uh, John, the 13th chapter and verse number 26. And it says in verse number 27, and after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, doest quickly. Now, who did Satan enter into? Was it uh, Judas or was it Jesus himself? If you have your Bibles, uh, turn over to uh, um, Luke, the 22nd chapter.
in uh, <clears throat> Luke the twenty second twenty second chapter. It's in verse number three. It says, "Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. So we know who Satan went into. He entered into. He entered into to Judas. Now, um, was was this a uh, what's the word I'm I'm looking for? Um, a demonic possession? Did did Satan take control over the mind, the body of Judas, Judas Iscariot? We know that that is not the case. Um, we know that uh, Judas um, was under his, had the ability at any time to stop what he was doing. He had the ability at any time to check himself, to rededicate himself to uh, the love of Jesus Christ. Um, we know that uh, as he went through this particular process, that there you can see action on his part, how he went to the scribes and the Pharisees, um, how he said that, I will kiss the cheek of the man who you should arrest and persecute and kill. That will be the man, Jesus Christ. We know that even afterwards, Judas having remorse for uh, betraying Christ, went back to uh, the Pharisees saying, please, I didn't mean to do it. Take this money that you've given me, this 30 pieces of silver. And the, the Pharisees telling him, that's not our money. That, <laughs> that's blood money. We don't want that money back. That's on you. And we also know that Judas took his own life. All actions, all things that, that he did on his own accord. But yet and still the scripture tells us that Satan entered into Judas. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, James, uh, the first chapter. And we know... Um, as I, as I just mentioned before about the reality of the existence of God, um, and we also should um, be aware of the reality and the existence of Satan. All those times <clears throat> in your particular life where you have known to do good and have not done it um, is not, again, solely because Satan made you do it, um, but rather because Satan tempted you to do it through the flesh. This, this baggage that we carry with us each and every day. Um, but we have the ability to ward against those temptations. Um, we don't have to um, carry out those temptations. Um, as the James, the first chapter, tells us... <clears throat> Starting at verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, when he is tempted, 
sorry, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know, the ownership of the lust and the, and, and the uh, byproduct of that lust, the enticement, is your own. You own it. It belongs to you. It belongs to no other. It is yours. It is the lust of your flesh, your body, that you carry with you each and every day. When you look into the mirror, you are seeing the fleshly part of yourself. And if we can see the fleshly part of ourselves, if we can pinch ourselves and, and cause a pain response, if that is the real, and we don't doubt what we see when we look in the mirror, whether you look good or whether you look bad, that's how you look. Then we also must see and, 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 and recognize that Satan also is real. And that evil is real. And that it does exist. He goes on to say again, um, in verse number 15, Then when the lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And what is that death? What is the power of that death? What is the, what is the power of that sin? Okay, you may not uh, grasp that. Let's go back to uh, the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews, the second chapter, in verse number 14 it says for as much for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil so where is where does the power of death reside the power of death resides in the body of flesh that each and every one of us carry with us each and every day. When I think about how Saint Satan entered into Judas, um, the thing that I think of, the word that I think of is doubt. Judas, Judas Iscariot doubted who Jesus was. Judas Iscariot doubted that Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. He doubted that. He did not believe that through and through. And the fact of the matter is, is that Satan also entered into Peter. When Jesus was in the, the midst of the, the Jews being... Um, scores and prosecuted when that young handmaiden recognized Peter based on you know his mannerisms and his speech <clears throat> the scripture tells me that that Peter cursed that young handmaiden and said I am not with that man Jesus and after he had denied him three times the cock crowed and it says that the same remorse the same pain and anguish that Judas experienced, Paul, uh, excuse me, Peter also experienced. For he ran out, he left that building, and he whipped, he wept 
bitterly. And I apologize for tripping over my tongue. But he wept bitterly. Judas took his life, but Peter left weeping bitterly, for he knew what he had done. And we all know what we do when Satan enters into our, into our lives. Um, when fear and doubt creep into our brains, when we think, does God really exist? Is there, was there a man, Jesus, that, that lived and died, was buried in the ground, and, and rose the third day? You know, those are all doubts that Satan tempts us with through our flesh, because he has power over the flesh, because he has power over death. And again, as we know, the wages of sin is that death. I go back to you again what uh, is written in James, the first chapter and verse number 12. But blessed is the man that endures these temptations, these, um, these moments of fear and doubt. And they will come. I, 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 again, I guess I can only speak for myself. Um, that there have been moments in my Christian life. I'm not talking about before I was a Christian, but certainly in my Christian life where I have had moments of doubt. Those are moments when Satan has entered into my life. Where circumstances have entered into, uh, have occurred where Satan has taken opportunity through my flesh to plant a seed of doubt in my brain. Again, in verse number 12, For when he is tried, he shall receive <clears throat> the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. When I think about um, the men and women of faith in the book of, uh, in the book of Hebrews, the uh, 11th chapter, I think about men and women who, against all odds, did not doubt. They were told to do the impossible, or they were faced with impossible odds, and they put their hope and faith and trust in God. And that's what God wants from each and every one of us. Um, and you can go back and, and read what it says in Hebrews the 11th chapter about what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what does it say in verse number 6 of Hebrews, the 11th chapter? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who cometh to God must believe what? Without doubt. What must he who comes to God believe? Well, it says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen. And that's what we should work each and every day, of each and every, of each and every hour, of each and every minute, of each and every second, of each and every moment that we have on this side of, of life, to continue to invest into doing, is putting our belief 
in God to the extent that there is no doubt in our brains that He exists. And by, and by doing so, also acknowledging that we have an adversary, the devil, Satan, who also exists, who is trying to pull us in the opposite direction. If you believe in gravity, you should believe in God. If you believe that gravity is going to pull you down to the ground, you know, the millisecond after you reach the apex of your jump, then you should also believe that God is real and also acknowledge that Satan is real. So the lesson is yours this morning. If doubt has entered into your, into your life, um, if Satan has entered into your life, you can get that right. You can come to God and ask Him for strength. You can ask Him for deliverance. Um, we know that God is faithful and just to forgive us our trespasses. We know that if we ask in the right manner that we will receive. Um, again, so if you're here this morning, we will sing a song of invitation. Um, you can, after the song, the floor will be yours to request a prayer of any kind. Um, if you are not a member of the body of Christ this morning, um, understand that whether you're a member of the body of Christ or not, God is real and Satan is real. If you are not a member of the body of Christ, whether you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ today, um, just understand that God is real and Satan is real and the judgment is real. Heaven and hell are real. If you do believe those things, you must also believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must believe that there is only one God, there is only one faith, there is only one body, there is only one form of doctrine through which any man and any woman can be saved. And that's written here in the New Testament Scripture. You have to hear it, you have to believe it, you have to repent uh, of your trespasses, your, your old way of life, and take upon a life of righteousness, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, and go down that water grave of baptism in His name, in the name of His Father, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, um, for the remission of your sins, in order to obtain a gift from God, um, which is eternal life, which is also seen in the gift of the Holy Spirit, and live faithfully until death, in order to... Um, obtain that home in heaven that we all want to have, that crown of life that we all hope to receive um, when we stand before the judgment seat of God. So the message is yours again after we sing the song, the floor will be open to anyone who needs prayers. Thank you very much.